So in the book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2, we're going to talk about something today, and we'll see it. And it's an example for us to learn from in the life of a, a, a king that lived at one time on this earth. And the name of this lesson that, uh, that the Lord has shown me is that evil will be repaid. Evil will be repaid. And so as we begin ready to start this morning, let's pray and ask God to help us as we go through His Word. Let's be able to receive what He wants us to see today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You, Lord, for Your goodness. We thank You, Lord, for the opportunity once again to be gathered together. We thank You, Lord, for each and every person that's here today and those that may hear by other means later on. But Father, for today, we, we ask You, Lord, now to, to give us the ability to, to, to preach and to minister Your Word. We pray, Lord, that the eyes and the ears of people will be open, and that our hearts also will be open, and we may understand and learn from the Word that You've given us for this day. For Lord, if it was true in the time it was spoken, it's definitely still true today. For You do not lie, for You speak only the truth. So Father, help us today as we go through Your Word, that we may glean and learn from it what we need for our lives today. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. We talked last week... And we read a little small part of the beginning of chapter 2, but we're going to start once again there in just chapter 2 itself. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered to me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And what was going on, just as a recap, as we get ready to go through the rest of these verses. Habakkuk, of course, is a prophet who's living in the last days of the kingdom of Judah. Uh, This is just before they were to be taken captive by the Babylonians. And and, uh, sometimes they're referred to as the Chaldeans or sometimes the Babylonians, but they become a, a pretty great empire at that time, but they, they were kind of leaving Judah alone. They weren't really fooling with them a whole lot at the time, and they were up to the north, and nobody really worried about them a whole lot because they still had their independence there in Judah. And remember last from last week, Habakkuk said, you know, our country is so far gone. It's so, the society that we live in, Lord, is so evil. It's so wicked, and nothing ever goes right, and people don't do what they're supposed to do, and he was pleading with God, Lord, you've got to do something about this. How long are you going to stay silent and not do something? And we read last week that his answer from God was not at all what he thought it was, to, was going to be. And the answer he got from the Lord himself was, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, and they're going to come here and they're going to take you captive. <coughs> and last week we learned that Habakkuk then a little bit kind of argued with the Lord. Surely you won't let somebody that wicked take over your heritage and this and that and the other. And the Lord answered right here and this was the answer He gave. Yes, I will. It's going to happen at its appointed time. And so we learned from that last week that we know that we will reap what we sow. Whether we're a nation, whether we're individuals, whatever the case may be. And so today we're going to see how God's going to deal with those who came and took Him captive. He's going to deal with the nation of Babylon and how they're going to be put to rest at the end of time, okay, or at the end of their kingdom, okay? And that's what we're going to talk about today, but there's a lot of good lessons for us to learn from this. (coughs) 
So let's start now in verse 4. You'll have to forgive me. I've got a lot of allergy stuff going on this week, and we'll get through this the best we can. So in verse 4, God has told him his answer. He said, but now it's like he he shifts gears a little bit here in verse 4, and he says, now I'm going to talk to you about this proud and bitter and hasty nation. I'm going to talk to you about them. This is how I'm going to deal with them. They will be dealt with, and evil will be repaid. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. You know, no matter what goes on in this world, I look right now in our country and I see a lot of things happening. A lot of bad things happening. But no matter what happens, we have to hang on to our faith in Jesus Christ. Period. We have to live for Him no matter how bad or how good things are. Amen? In verse 5 it says, Indeed, because He transgresses. And what He's beginning to do now, <clears throat> He's beginning to talk about the kings and the leadership of the nation of Babylon. And they had several kings there before they finished up their empire. But in specific, He's beginning to talk about Belshazzar, okay, who was the last king and who was the king in the book of Daniel who the writing appeared on the wall and that very night their kingdom come to an end. Okay, Here before it ever takes place, a lot of years before it takes place, God is spelling out exactly what kind of man He would be. <coughs> so indeed, because He transgresses by wine, He is a proud man. And He does not stay at home because He enlarges His desire as hell. And He is like death and cannot be satisfied. He gathers to Himself all nations and heaps up for Himself all peoples. <clears throat> Could not be content with His own borders. And because He's a proud person, He just goes out and decides, he wants, I'll take this kingdom and I'll take this group and I'll take this colony. And that's the kind of mentality that the kings of Babylon had. They were conquerors. Amen? But what can we learn from this today? Here's something I want to share with you that some, a lot of times people don't want to talk about it, <clears throat> but I see it in these verses. Babylon's leader, which was Belshazzar, at the time they fell, was a proud and arrogant man. And God is declaring how Babylon will fall even before they reached their zenith. They hadn't even reached their peak yet. But Belshazzar and all the leaders of Babylon were proud and arrogant and had the mindset that they alone were responsible for their world dominance. God is showing here that they were nothing merely but pawns in the Lord's hands. This group of people is evil, and my own heritage in Judah, they're evil too, so I'm going to let Judah see what real evil looks like for a little space of time, but then at the end, I'm going to deal with their evil as well. And what we learned from that today is I want you to see this today. That those who indulge in intoxicating substances are foolish because their intoxication negatively affects their judgment. <clears throat> Look again at verse 5. <clears throat> Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. Do you know how the end, you know how Belshazzar's end came? He was having a big drunken party. And they poured wine in the vessels that had been taken from Jerusalem. And they drank and worshipped false gods with all that stuff and while they were drinking wine and having a big old time. Because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. 
God requires you and I as Christians to live sober and be diligent about things in life. When people get drunk and get high and all the things they do, they can't be diligent. They can't be wise. There's a reason the Bible says just stay away from it. Don't dabble in it. Don't experiment with it. Just please leave it alone because it's a dead-end street. So many people that you talk to nowadays who want to be Christians, who maybe are Christians, that's one of the biggest arguments I ever get in. Well, is it okay for Christians to drink? I say, no, don't do it. Well, Jesus drank. I said, well, Jesus did a lot of things that I can't do. The Bible teaches us to leave that kind of stuff alone. Don't crack the door open. Don't let the devil get a toehold in your life because it can ruin some people, right? And so here we see that one of the, the things that caused the downfall of the Babylonian Empire was because they were just a bunch of drunks. They just wanted to party all the time. Those who disobey what the Lord wants in this situation about intoxicating substances, they have the desire for more and more and more and they can never be satisfied. Look at verse 5 again. He does not stay home because he enlarges his desire as hell. He is like death and cannot be satisfied. <clears throat> what happens to people who get hooked on drugs? They take a little bit. Then the next time they got to take a little more and a little more and a little more and a little more. Same way with drinking. And you know what happens to a lot of people who finally quit and then they decide to go back to it? They go back with the full amount they used to use and it kills them on the spot. Because that desire, there's something spiritual that goes on with intoxicating substances. I guess it's why the old timers used to call it spirits. Just leave it alone. Don't fool with it. If it's that important for you to have to drink that it could cause you to ruin your life, think about what you're saying. Just leave it alone. I bet Belshazzar if he could come here today and tell you about intoxicating substances, I guarantee you he would have a really good story to tell you and he would definitely say, don't even fool with it. Here the example is, here is, the, the, example is the leaders of Babylon who lived as drunkards and went about conquering the known world. <coughs> and from other historical things, we learned that their parties were as infamous as their ability to conquer. They went out and conquered other nations, and it was hard work, and they worked hard, but when it was over, they partied hard. But it was during one of their parties that God decided to write with the finger of a man on the wall. You've been weighed in the balance and found in want. Your kingdom is ended. See, that's the thing. People do these things all their life. They live this way and their lives are in shambles and then all of a sudden one day something happens and it comes to an end. So from this passage right here, what can we learn from the Old Testament? Don't mess with the stuff. Just don't mess with it. Verse 6. Will not all these take up a proverb against him and a taunting riddle against him and say, Woe to him who increases what is not his. How long? 
And to him who loads himself with many pledges, will not your creditors rise up suddenly? Will they not awaken who oppress you? Then you will become their booty. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the people shall plunder you. Because of men's blood and the violence of the land and the city and all who dwell in it. <clears throat> you know, those who enslave others eventually become slaves themselves. Have you ever noticed that? What's going on in our, our nation's capital right now? We have a president, and I'll say Mr. Biden, because I respect the office. The Bible teaches me to respect those in authority. don't respect the man, but I respect his office. But think, I want you to think about that man who's been in public service all his life, never had a real job, but he's been real quick and real good about telling how to spend your money and other people's money. He'll take money from taxpayers and say, we're going to do this and do that. And he got away with it for years and years and years. And he even got away with it while he was vice president, didn't he? But I want you to think about how the Lord does things. Nobody would know what he did when he was vice president had not been for him running for actual president. And now, it's all starting to come out, isn't it? The Lord will repay evil. Nobody is exempt. You live that way all through your life, guess what? At some point in time, it will come back to you. That's why Jesus taught us, live a different way. Live different so that you don't have to be part of that kind of thing that takes place. And those who use others to fund their ungodliness will eventually be required to pay back their debts. Here the example is Belshazzar who, whose time of luxury and carelessness came to a sudden end and those who he owed came to cash in. See, it was, not only, it was not only that they just rose up and just conquered everybody and everybody was afraid of them. They made contracts with other nations. They made treaties with other nations. And they say, well, we'll leave you alone right now. If you'll pay us a little bit of money or if you'll do this to help us, give us some weapons, whatever, we'll go over here and conquer this nation and we'll leave you alone. Well, after all this is said and done, he made all these dirty deals. Some of the other ones came to cash in and said, okay, where's our money? And see, the Medes and the Persians were just as ruthless and eventually they came and they overtook Babylon. Verse 9. Woe to him who covets evil gain for his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of disaster. You give shameful counsel to your house, cutting off many peoples, and sin against your soul. For the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the timbers will answer it. What do we learn from that? God is telling Belshazzar here, before he's ever even king, before, before his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar ever came, way many years before all this happened, he's telling him, the things you think you're getting away with and the things you think you're going to get away with, they, you will not. So what do we learn from that as Christians? We don't do dirty dealing sneaking around and conniving to get ahead in this life. Amen? Those who cheat, steal, and lie to become wealthy are strictly warned of their evil. The Bible there says actually a woe to them. <clears throat> and they through evil means become wealthy and build houses in places thinking that they're safe. 
You ever notice that? The very prominent, the very rich, and the very wealthy, they always seclude themselves off somewhere behind gates and up on mountaintops where we're safe from disaster. Nothing can hurt us here, right? We've hid all our money in all these different accounts and nobody can ever figure it all out. But the Lord says, oh yes they can. So we as Christians, we don't want to live a life of cheating, lying, and stealing just to get ahead for a few minutes in life. Because why? Everything in this life is temporary. Everything on this earth is temporary. We had a, what, a month ago or so, we were talking about there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. So nothing here will last forever. It's just here for us for right now. So let us treat it wisely and not use other people to try to get ahead. Amen? So they think that they're safe from disaster and calamity. That's what it says there in, in uh, verse 9. Woe to him who covets evil gain for his house that he may set his nest on high and be delivered from the power of disaster. I'm apart from all that. I, I've made myself secure. Here God says that the very stones and the timbers of their houses will testify against them because of their wickedness. Look at verse 11. For the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the timbers will answer it. Reminds me of a verse that Jesus spoke in Matthew and I think it's also recorded in Luke. There's nothing done in secret that will not be made known. The eyes of the Lord see all things. The book of Isaiah it says that God sees everything. Even Habakkuk himself in last week's chapter, he said, your, your eyes are too holy to look on evil and see all this. And God said, no, I see it. So as Christians, <clears throat> let us not do secret dealings and cheap dealings and all those kinds of things just to get a little bit ahead in this life. Because i got news for us. We all know this, but I'll say it just so we be sure we understand it. Everything you work for in this life, when you're gone, guess what? going to go to somebody else and they might decide I don't want that sell it get rid of it throw it in the trash whatever the case may be so what would be the point in me cheating lying and stealing to get ahead in secret and then find out that it's not even going to last amen verse 12 Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. See, he's speaking exactly to everything that the, that the uh, Babylonians were going to do. That's what they had been doing as they were conquering the known world at that time, and that's what they were going to continue to do. And God is speaking to them now. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the peoples labor to feed the fire? and nations weary themselves in vain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I've heard a lot of people in church through my life quote that verse, but they never realized the context it was spoken in. It was spoken to the Babylonian Empire that all that you're doing right now to establish by bloodshed is not going to last. Because in the end of time, in the end of the world, Everything and everybody on earth is going to testify to the, the glory of God. Amen? 
God has designed life here on earth to be temporary. I mentioned that a while ago. Nothing here is going to last forever. I remember a good example of this. I remember growing up and, and uh, I played football and stuff and I just I loved it. I, I loved everything about the game. I'd sit and watch it. I played it. And uh, my favorite pro player was uh, Dan Marino. And I just loved to watch him throw and the things he could do. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And he set records that everybody then said, oh, those records will never be broken. Oh, there's just no way. Well, now he's like sixth or seventh on the record list because the game has changed and a lot of different things and guys have broken his record. Everything here is temporary. I remember I like watching NASCAR racing. Everybody said after uh, Dale Earnhardt won seven championships, there'll be, never be another one winning seven again. Just a few years ago, a fellow named Jimmy Johnson, he won seven. Won five in a row, I believe, which had never been done. Everything here is temporary. And that's what God is testifying to us here through the book of Habakkuk in chapter 2. Everything's temporary. Don't live your life in such a way that you walk on top of people's backs and put people down and all those things just to get a little bit ahead in this life because it's not going to last anyway. So nothing here is going to last forever. What one generation labors to accomplish, the next generation will tear down and rebuild. There's a, there's a house uh, down next to where we live that uh, came into the ownership of a, a, a family member of the people that used to own it. An old house. And the porch fell down on it. And I don't know if they're going to try to save it or not or just tear the whole thing down. But you know that you've seen this before. People comes across and get becomes the owners of an old piece of property, an old house or something. They go in and they look at it and they say, ah, there's just so much work here it needs done. We'll just tear it down and restart. Never knowing that the people who built that house, how much labor it took them 100 years ago to build that house. They probably went out in the woods somewhere and cut down a tree and drug that tree in and sawed that tree up and worked and just worked and labored and labored and labored. And the next person comes along, it's of no value, tear it down. But God made life on earth that way. This is not our eternal home here. Amen? The Bible says we're pilgrims living here until the Lord takes us home. Amen? <clears throat> so what we labor for during our lives will become someone else's when we're gone. They may see no value in it and get rid of it. And the Lord has made it this way and no one can bypass that fact. I was looking around the other day at all the work I'd done to build a goat fence and things and, and for my goats to have plenty to eat. Michelle and I went walking through it yesterday just to look together and kind of see what we'd labored for. And I had the thought as I knew this message the Lord had been dealing with me. I thought, you know, Nathan and Elizabeth, when we're gone, they might all fool with goats and they might get a bulldozer and just bulldoze all that stuff down. And I'm thinking, boy, I've worked real hard for them to do such a thing. But that's the facts of life. We just don't know. Because things here are temporary. Amen. So if that's true, and we know it's true, why would a person seek to establish anything earthly by shedding blood or base it upon sinfulness? That's what he's talking about there in verse 12. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed or establishes a city by iniquity. 
The shelf life of such a thing built on iniquity. You know, we're talking about things that are good and done right. And they're temporary. But we talk about things built upon sinfulness or built upon bloodshed. We know God's not going to allow that to last very long. So the shelf life of something like that is even shorter than the temporary things you and I deal with. In the end, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so for you and I, therefore, we need to seek to do what's right in the eyes of God. See, there's a lesson in every page of the Bible. The Bible says that the Scriptures are given for us for our admonition and our learning. We're learning a lesson now from the nation of Babylon today. So seek to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord and never establish anything in your life upon the foundation of evil. If it appears to be evil, stay away from it. That goes for nations, tribes, families, marriages, businesses, etc., etc., etc. The greatest advice I ever give young people is of course to come to Jesus Christ themselves, but don't lower your standards when it comes to a spouse because you're going to be married to that person the rest of your life. You make sure they love Jesus just as much as you. If they don't, then you run. Don't even dabble. Don't even fool with them. Right? So don't base anything on our life. Don't let that foundation be something that's not godly. Because you want to ask for trouble, then you'll have trouble then. Amen? Verse 15. (coughs) Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him into your bottle, even to make him drunk, that you may look on his nakedness. You are filled with shame instead of glory. You also drink and be exposed as uncircumcised. The cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you, and utter shame will be on your glory. For the violence done to Lebanon will cover you, and the plunder of beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood, and the violence of the land and the city, and of all who dwell in it. The image here of getting your neighbor drunk to discover their nakedness is speaking more to the uncovering of people's weaknesses than to that of sexual deviancy. Okay? He's using that as an illustration. God is using that as an illustration to show that this is what Belshazzar and his kingdom had done. They invited everybody to these big parties. Come on! Party with us! Drink with us! Hopefully, giving out a secret while they were drunk, right? To how we can overtake your kingdom. Where have your strongholds at? So what do you and I learn from that today? This is similar to how Delilah schemed and seduced Samson to discover the source of his strength. Remember? Remember she'd, she'd go be with him. Now what is the source of your strength? How is the source of your strength? She used his weakness to find out what his strength was. It's the same situation. It's a similar situation to what God is talking about here. Here, Babylon is chastised because they cheated, lied, and stole and used every deceptive practice to overcome their enemies. Because they did this, God promised that their weakness would also be uncovered and that they would reap the same destruction they had dealt out. You talk about Belshazzar, king of Babylon. 
having a party of parties. And right there in front of everybody, God saying, it's over. Talk about embarrassing. That's embarrassing, isn't it? And that's what He said, that shame will be on your glory. Everything you thought that you were will be brought to nothing. Amen? So God now is going to spell out what Belshazzar's weakness was and what the Babylonian's weakness was. See, they didn't want to talk about their weakness. They just wanted to find out what everybody else's weakness was so we could take them over. We'll even invite them to get them drunk and they'll share their secrets with us, right? God says, you've got a weakness and I'm going to show you what it is. And we find that in verse 18. What profit is the image that its maker should carve it? The molded image, a teacher of lies, that the maker of its mold should trust in it to make mute idols? Woe to him who says to wood, awake, to silent stone, arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, yet in it there is no breath at all. But the Lord is in His holy temple, and let all the earth keep silence before Him. All of this is God's answer to Habakkuk when He said, Surely this is not what you're going to do. God said, oh yes it is. And then I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do after that. So what do you and I learn today? Babylon's weakness was pride, arrogance, and their trust in false gods. See, they ascribed this power to their false gods. Well, the gods are with us. Let us eat and drink and be merry and conquer. And it worked for a while, didn't it? Looked like it was working real good. But here God spells out what would be their ultimate demise. They trusted in molded images of wood and stone that had been covered with gold and silver, but their idols were dead and without breath. And He said here, Yet the Lord is, in, is alive and dwells in His holy temple. Therefore let all the earth keep silent before Him. Do you know that all the things we accomplish in life not because of our strength. It's because the Lord allowed us to have some strength to do something. Amen? Do you believe that? Or do you believe it's because you worked really hard? Well, you might have worked really hard, but who gave you that ability? Who gave us that ability to be able to think and do the things we do? Or a body strong enough to do and physically do the things we need to do? It's the Lord. So before we close, I just want to share this and then we'll close with it. This is something the Lord gave me this morning. What can we learn from chapter 2 of Habakkuk? Well, we've learned a lot of things. But this is the one the Lord wants you and I to be sure we get today before we leave. None of us are better than the next person. I'm not better than you and you're not better than me. You've got weaknesses and I've got weaknesses. God knows everybody's weakness and He knows their strengths. But together, we work together to make sure we go to be where in the sweet by and by. Amen? Maybe we have seemed to succeed more in life than others. We can look around and say, well, boy, you know, man, they, they seem like they do really well. They seem like God has really blessed them. That's great. Good. But it's because God allowed it. 
So if I'm one of those people that other people looks and seems to be saying that he looks like he's really succeeding in life, I need to make sure to give God glory for that. It's not of my ability. It's not of my goodness or my strength. It's by the Lord's grace. Every person has a reason for existing. Do you believe that? There's a reason you exist. That God allowed you to come out of the womb alive. And to become what you are. Most people will never understand that that's to fulfill God's plan for their lives. God allowed you to live because He has a plan for your life. And if we can lay hold of that plan and get in in line with God and His way of thinking, guess what? We'll live our lives exactly the way the Lord wants us to live. Amen? Amen. But unfortunately, most live their lives in such a way that they believe themselves to be more special than others and they plot and scheme to get ahead further and further. They'll even prey upon the weaker ones themselves and use the weaknesses of others against them in order to lift themselves higher and higher and higher. Let us be reminded that the Lord sees everything and He repays everyone for the deeds done in this earthly body. Thus the name of our lesson. Evil will be repaid. I don't want to live my life in such a way where to get a few more dollars I would cheat somebody else. It's not worth it. In the grand scope of things, it's not worth it. I hear people talking about they they found such and such somebody getting rid of something and it was a widow woman or something and boy, they didn't know what they had. I got that thing for way cheaper than it should have. That's not right. It's not right. As a Christian, we would look at that situation and say, no ma'am, this is what that's worth and I'm willing to pay that for you so that I don't want to cheat you. You see what I'm saying? We don't want other people to be cheated just so we can get ahead to have something that's temporary that when we're gone, somebody will throw in the trash. But guess what? That deed we did, we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for that. And He's going to look and say, look, they burned it in the fire. It don't even exist anymore. I don't want to be that person, do you? I want to live like Christ. So in closing, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. May we follow the example Jesus set. When we want to mimic somebody, mimic Jesus. Let us strengthen the weak and encourage the downtrodden. May we never use the weakness of others to strengthen or enlarge ourselves. And may we remember everything in this life is temporary and it will not benefit us anything in eternity. Let us live in such a way that others will seek out our honest advice and come to us for help as they live in this darkened world as well. May we always remember that what we do in this body will be examined on Judgment Day. Our biography is being written down in heaven day by day by day. What you and I do right now is being recorded in heaven. And on Judgment Day, the Bible says the books will be open. May our story be different than that of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon. Let our story mimic that of Jesus Christ, the 
King of Kings. Hallelujah. For it's His kingdom that will stand forever. And I want to live in His kingdom with Him forever and ever and ever and ever. I told you a while ago, I would say if Belshazzar could come here and visit us today and give us a few moments of his time, you know what he would say. Say, don't live like I lived. Don't be a drunkard and just doing what I pleased and thought that I could do everything my own and worship false gods. Follow this God of the Bible. Follow this Christ whom He sent to save us. That's the kind of life I want to live. What about you? Is that what everybody wants to do today? Live a life that mimics Christ. I don't want to live like Belshazzar. We see in His end. I want to live like Christ. For we see His end. Amen. Glorified forever. Amen. Father, I've given Your people Your Word. Hallelujah. Father, we have seen now through the Word of Habakkuk, one of Your holy prophets. Lord, He don't get a lot of the credit that the others do. But it says here that He's one of Your holy prophets. And You spoke directly to Him words that still have meaning to us today. Hallelujah. And Father, we see the meaning of this lesson today that evil will be repaid. And God, now we declare we don't want to live like Belshazzar lived. We don't want to live like those that's come before us and now have faced, are going to face eternal punishment for the way they lived their lives. Stomping on the heads and the shoulders of others just to get ahead a few minutes in life for this temporary thing we call life. Father, let us live like Christ who wasn't concerned with all those things but was concerned about the well-being of others and teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Father, let that be us today. Help us dedicate our lives, Lord, more so than ever into the furthering of Your kingdom and not the furthering of our own. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for each and every one. God, if there's things in their life that they need to turn loose from that's, that's just being a hindrance to their kingdom walk or their kingdom life, let them declare and rid of it today. Hallelujah. And help us all, Lord, to examine our lives by help of the Holy Spirit in areas where we could do a, be of a bigger impact for Your kingdom. For Lord, we want to mimic Christ and not the others who've come before like Belshazzar. Father, I pray You keep each and every one safe today. For the next appointed time we meet, we ask it, God, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen.